As a listener of the Shift Your Consciousness podcast presented by Marcus White and Jordan Briggs, we would like you to understand that this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Any changes to your supplementation, nutrition, or lifestyle should only be done after consulting with a medical professional. Welcome to the Shift Your Consciousness podcast. My name is Marcus White. And my name is Jordan Briggs. We help people overcome a range of chronic and acute health issues and empower people to live a healthy, fulfilling life. Our mission in this podcast is to bring oppressed and current relevant information from all realms of health that you most likely don't know to empower new possibilities in your health journey. We want to help free your mind of the indoctrination of the mainstream medical system, media and societal dogma that disempowers your ability to heal, grow and live a connected life. If you're someone who is feeling trapped in your journey, not getting answers, but also equally fascinated in learning how to address the root cause to your health issues, and is also open-minded to all mediums of health, this podcast is for you. So come join us to shift your consciousness. All right, so we're back for another podcast, and we're joined here with an absolute superstar in the industry. Um, uh, this, This man is incredible in functional medicine. Um, he's a chiropractor, and osteopath. He's also a health educator and has educated many health coaches all around the world. He's also mine and Marx's mentor. We've been learning absolutely <laughs> incredible amounts of knowledge from this guy <laughs> and integrating this into our protocols and our clients are getting insane results. Um, and he's also been uh, my... Uh, my coach or practitioner as well to help me overcome muscle activation syndrome, and it's been uh, it's been an absolute uh, godsend for me because I was I was a mess. So, without further ado, welcome Stu Gillespie. So great Hi. to have you, mate. Uh, it's so great to be here. Privileged to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I see your list of uh, of guests you have coming up, and it's like amazing to be in that sort of uh, in that audience of uh, great practitioners and legends of the industry. So, thanks for inviting me. That's awesome, man. And um, yeah, mate, we, we really want to dive into what your main expertise is around, I guess, which is, um, I guess, the immune system. And the that's first, the first thing, though, yeah, which I love to get from everyone, is I want to know how you got where you are. Oh, I want to know sure. where it started. Yeah. Um, and then, like, can we, just, can we just hear briefly about your journey? Because I think everyone's is, is unique. Um, and it really offers, sometimes it, their journey offers a real um, inspiration to others when they get to listen. So I'd love to hear how you got to where you are. Yeah, and then tail that into the, the immune system as well and how you found it. I'd like to hear it just yeah. all the way through. It's, it's funny because it sounds like a simple question, but it's a long, long story, and I try and keep it as brief as I can, right? But yep. um, it's, it's just going back about 20 years. And so I was once an osteopath in London and trained at the British School of Osteopathy. I then went to the U.S. chasing a woman and went to the U.S. and became a chiropractor. I couldn't be an osteopath in the U.S. And so it's, it's, it's like been a road of ups and downs for me and sort of and, and jostling and sort of readjusting all the time. So I couldn't be an osteopath because an osteopath in the U.S. is like an M.D., uh, and so I didn't want to prescribe medicine, nothing like that. I didn't have a calling for that. I could have done it, but I didn't really have a calling for it. And so I became a chiropractor in the US. And so I went back to school for three and a half years. And it doesn't make you twice as smart. It makes you twice as frustrated, if, any, if anything, right? Um, but the blessings I have, looking back on that, the blessings I have from that is that I actually taught other people in in the in the college, in the university, about 
about osteopathy and chiropractic because I had gone through the program before. And so as I, I would have these small groups in the library and sort of teaching about musculoskeletal problems, right? And so it was a question of like, I learned that. And, and so I, I was like, you don't need to know this. You need to know this. And so I, I got people really focused on what they needed to know rather than all the fluff around, around three years of, of, of university degree work. And I sort of incorporated that into the mentorship now. I sort of let people know this, you don't, this is all you need to know. If you know these foundations, this is all you need to know sort of thing. Um, I then went from there and went to, right off the chiropractic school, went to work, work for weight loss practice, like for hormones and, um, and adrenal thyroid cases and stuff and weight loss practice. And I worked there for about four years with a guy called Dr. Eric Berg, who's actually quite a famous YouTube guy, does about keto diets and just does about diets and intermittent fasting. He's quite an expert in that field. There's a huge following. Um, and I worked with him for about four years. Um, and, um, and it was, but it was a lot of muscle testing involved with that. And I, and I wanted something more concrete. So people would bring their blood tests into me and I'd go over their blood tests and diagnose thyroid issues from their blood tests, right? And so I was telling Eric, Eric, why don't we just do some more testing in the practice? Why don't we do some of this more functional medicine testing? Because that was like the buzz at the time was like, there's something called functional medicine going around. And I was like, I'm quite interested in this. And so, um, but he didn't want to do that. He wanted to keep the muscle testing in, which is fine. And so I went down this pathway away from that practice into like the functional medicine world where I wanted to get concrete answers on a, on a, on a test, on, on some blood work, on some urine tests where I could actually figure out someone's thyroid condition rather than just muscle test the thyroid problem. Mm. Uh, and so I went down that functional medicine world and uh, I did a couple of uh, functional medicine courses in the thyroid with a guy called Dr. Dadis Karizian um, and did a weekend course. Um, and of course, um, and back then it was so young still. Um, but it wasn't until actually clinical practice where actually I, I came across a case when in, in clinical practice where um, it's actually I never saw the, the young girl uh, who actually sort of I, I helped. I never saw I saw a mum and she had a weight loss issue and we found out she had hormone issues from candida. And so yes, she actually had a can she came in for weight, but she actually had a candida issue, which gave us sort of gut hormone problems, which you guys are experts in yourself. Um, and so we just took, took care of that for her about, in about a month or two. And then she was leaving. She just came to come to her last visit. She was leaving and she asked me this question. And I'll never forget this question because it pretty much changed my life in terms of like what I do now. And she sort of says, my daughter's having a problem with autism. And, um, and I, she's been to all the doctors and she's on tons and tons of medications and, and tons of supplements. We're spending like 30 grand a year just on our medications and supplements alone. Um, is there, is, is there anything you can do? And is there anything you can, can help me with? And she had this question. She was like, you know, um, whenever she gets sick, her, her, her autism, autism goes away. And I thought, so hang on a second. When she gets sick, she gets these high fevers sometimes, she gets these infections and her autism goes away. Yeah. And I knew a little bit about uh, immune system back then, but not really enough. To, I mean, it's enough to be dangerous, but not really enough to sort of know what's, what's going on. And so I knew fever was something called a TH1 drive. It's an immune drive when you have a fever. And she had, so I asked her, do you, does, does she get allergies? And she goes, yes, she gets tons of allergies. She's allergic to pretty much everything. Her diet is like pizza and, and ice cream, and that's all she has because everything else, just, she just has these huge anaphylaxis reactions to, this, to these food issues. And so I said, I don't know the answer to this. I don't know the answer, but I'm going to find out. And so I, sp I spent the whole weekend on the computer like, what is TH2? Auto is TH2? Is autism a TH2 problem? Because whenever she drives TH1, her problem goes away. And sure enough, I found all these research papers, 50 tabs up on the computer, right? And, um, and autism was a TH2 problem. And when she got a fever, she drove TH1, which would take away her TH2 problem. That should drive her away from her autism. And so, 
um, I spent the whole weekend sort of figuring out, well, is there a way I can, um, I, I can drive a TH1 system without giving her a we just had a tech issue where Stu just dropped out and Stu was sharing about studying on autism and the immune system and so TH2 and TH1. Why don't we pick up from yeah. you talking about, you know, you had the whole weekend, um, but you just started looking over autism and TH2. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. So um, so I was working with Dr. Eric Berg in Washington, D.C. at the time. And at that time, functional medicine was all about tests, don't guess. I mean, every person that came in the room had like five different tests, 20 bags, 20 supplements and two bags walking out the door. And so it was a very expensive sort of uh, undertaking was to do functional medicine. And so I moved down. I went from Dr. Eric Berg's practice down to Charleston, South Carolina, which is one of the poorest states in the nation. And I was trying to test everyone there but they couldn't afford the testing and everything was out of pocket back there and so then you had to sort of go through well how do i figure this stuff without the testing and mm -hmm. so i went through a, a year or two of trying to figure this out without ha actually having to test someone and so this lady came in for weight loss she had candida hormonal issues and she's and uh, for about a month we sort of helped her with weight loss she lost a ton of weight uh, after about a month or two just by working on candida not actually working on weight but working on candida and so she said um it's a funny thing my daughter has autism and um, I've, I've been to all the doctors in the, in the country but trying to figure out how do I sort of help my daughter through autism. She's on a ton of supplements. She's on a ton of medications. Um, but it's funny, and you might be the only person that can answer this, but it's funny. But whenever she gets sick, whenever she gets a fever and an infection, she actually gets better. Her autism goes away. She looks me directly in the eye. She's really focused and she can, she can do her tasks really well. And she's communicative and she, she talks to me every night. And I love it. And when she gets sick, I keep her sick. I don't want her to sleep because I know the next morning when she wakes up, she'll have autism. And so she got all teary eyed. She got all teary eyed in, in, in the reception. It was very emotional. Everyone was there. And so, and so she says, well, I think you might better figure this out. And I said, I don't think I can figure this out, but I'm going to try. So I spent the whole weekend like on the computer trying to figure out is, is if fever is TH1, is, aut is autism TH2? And there are some research papers showing autism is a TH2 problem. And so I asked her, does she get allergies? Because TH2 is an allergy drive. You get allergies when you have infections, you get allergies. And she goes, yes, he got tons of allergies. And so we, we sort of, I sort of figure out, well, he obviously has a TH2 allergy autism problem. And when she goes into TH1, that goes away. And that's what happens when you drive TH1 sometimes. Um, and, but she gets an infection when she drives TH1. And so TH1 is, is how you get rid of infections like viruses and bacteria in the body. And so, so I, th I said to myself, well, I can't give her an infection every time she has autism. I can't give her a virus. And it's funny because these days, what are they doing to treat cancer these days? They're actually giving you viruses to actually treat cancer. And yeah, so people, you've heard that, right? And so yeah, people, yeah. people, and cancer is a TH2 drive because it's like, TH2 is like a growth system. Uh, you get cysts, you get fibroids, you get, uh, you get, you get skin cancer, growths on the body. And so that's your driving system. Whereas TH1 system is very catabolic. It breaks things down. And so that's, that's the, that's how one inhibits the other. And so that's how you have balance in the immune system there. And so, um, so they're now giving viruses for cancer because cancer is very much a TH2 drive. But going back to that story, um, and so I was like, is, are there ways I can drive TH1 without giving her a virus? And sure enough, up, up, up on the, uh, on the computer came like TH1 drivers, things like echinacea, things like ginger, they, all these things that drive TH1. And so I said, I said, well, let's give this a go. And she, and she was open to trying anything at this point. And so I said, let's give this a go. Let's, let's put on a TH drive protocol for the next sort of month or two. And let's, let's just sort of see if we, if we can actually sort of help her autism and uh, keep her more focused. And for sure, it really worked for her. 
And wow. so after wow. that, after that situation, I, everyone that came in the room, I was a chiropractor, but everyone came in the room with a back pain. I was like, do you guys get allergies? Do you? And so I was, I was asking immune questions and everybody that came into the room. And so I was figuring out that a lot of people actually had underlying immune problems that were actually causing them pain and dysfunction in their body. But it was actually just like you deal with, you guys deal with stress manifesting in the body as a physical problem. I was like, is someone's immune problem manifesting in the body as a physical problem? And sure enough, it was. And so a lot of, a lot of things now are now seen as autoimmune now. So even low back pain is now seen as an autoimmune disease. Um, and so this is why post COVID, post lockdown, a lot of people had low back pain post post vaccination or post post virus. And so we're now sort of seeing this a lot now with uh, diabetes. Uh, even type 2 diabetes is now seen as autoimmune disease now. A lot of endometriosis is now seen as autoimmune. So a lot of these things that we thought were just hormonal, just physical, is now seen as an immune problem, an autoimmune problem. Wow. Now, I just, I'm just going to just back it up just a touch, just because like everything you're saying here is, um, you know, I totally understand, but I'd love to just back up and simplify a little mm. bit for the listeners. Um, when we talk about TH1, TH2, autoimmunity, you know, this is part of our um, overall uh, immune reaction to, mm. you know, damage or infection or, mm. or whatnot. Now, um, we've got our innate immunity, and then these TH drivers are part of our acquired immunity. Um, is it, I'm saying that right, wouldn't I, Stu? Um, would you be able to go into a little bit of detail about the difference between our immune reactions and which one's protecting what? Yeah, for sure. I mean, back in the day, it was about 2005, 2006, there was this huge Time magazine front page article cover saying that inflammation or chronic inflammation is the root cause of all disease. Heart disease, Alzheimer's, weight gain, uh, psoriasis, autoimmunity in general was, was seen as, as an inflammation problem. And so, um, and so it was, it was like a watershed moment because we all thought, oh, let's just go after the inflammation. Let's not go after the disease, which is the symptom. Let's go after the inflammation. And so, um, but the medical world took that as inflammation is the enemy. And so inflammation was seen as enemy. And so all of a sudden we're on this, all these uh, inflammation uh, suppressors like corticosteroids, Advil, Tylenol, anti-allergy medication, anti-fever medication, corticosteroids, immune suppressants. Let's just calm down this raging monster that's our immune system. And, and unfortunately, people just got worse after that. And so we realized that actually there's things called acute inflammation and chronic inflammation. And acute inflammation, which is like you need acute inflammation when you have an infection. You need acute inflammation if you want to get rid of your, your lining of the skin. You want to shed your skin. If you want to shed your gut lining, you need inf acute inflammation. And you need acute inflammation to heal and to go after infections. And so that's all run by something called your innate immune system. You're born with a new immune system. That's something we, we have our innate immune system working right now. It's like we have a new skin lining every 30 days. We have a new gut lining every seven days. And that's all done by our innate immune system. We don't feel it. We don't, we don't feel like it's going on, but it's actually going on right now. And so that's us almost like our steady state immune system. And then we have something called the acquired immune system, which comes in when the innate immune system gets overrun. It's, it, it, it sort of can't deal with an infection or a stress that's going on. And that's when we bring in the special forces. And these special forces are known as our Th1, Th2, Th17 cells, Th9 cells. We now have seven immune types. Back when we did this podcast with Perry a couple of years ago, there's only two immune drives. But now there's about seven presenting as different things. But this acquired immune system, we need this to kill off nasty infections or infections we haven't seen before. Uh, things like a parasite or things like um, uh, really nasty Lyme disease, something like that, that comes into the body. We need our acquired immune system to come in and kill it. Um, trouble is, if we haven't dealt with an infection or if that immune drive is so strong that we get stuck there, 
we get stuck in what's called Th1 immune drive or Th2 immune drive, Th17 immune drives. And that's when we start to get allergies. Allergies is a Th2 driver. We get allergies every single day. But not everyone gets allergies. Not every single one has the same immune response to something. And so some people get allergies, some people get fever, some people get mast cell activation, right, Jordan? They get itchy everywhere. They get itchy problems and hives and things like that all over their skin. They're actually different immune processes. There's different immune drives. And so when you're trying to figure out is someone's chronic disease because of a Th1 drive or is someone's chronic disease is Th2, Th17? That's how you figure these things out is like you figure out what is their, what is their symptom? What is, what is their presenting problem? And, and let's work back from there and sit and see what's going on. Um, and so that's what we've been doing for the last 15 years is sort of figuring these sort of processes out. And it's, it's, it's actually say it's quite complicated, but we try and keep it as simple as we possibly can. But that's pretty much the gist of something is that, all inflammation, no matter if it's osteoporosis, no matter if it's endometriosis, no matter if it's PCOS, all inflammation is run by your immune system. And so, and your, your, your acute innate immune system, we need that, right? Um, but if that doesn't resolve, and it takes about three to seven days for that to, re- to resolve, if that doesn't resolve, you then go into what's called chronic inflammation. And chronic inf- inflammation is run by your acquired immune system. It's run by your TH1, TH2, TH17 dryers. Um, and people get stuck there. People get stuck there. And that's when autoimmune disease starts to present. Because if you get stuck there, that's when you start attacking your own body, um, trying to protect yourself from an infection. But these infections get in your joints and these infections get in your organs, get in your thyroid. And so your immune system starts attacking the thyroid. And we think that's a thyroid problem, but it's actually still an immune problem. But we think it's a thyroid problem. When, when you get psoriasis and your immune system attacks the skin, you think it's a skin problem, but it's not. It's still, still the same underlying immune problem. It's just presenting in different ways with different people. And right. so, um, that's, that's, that's pretty much what the innate and the acquired immune system is. Wow. And that's, and that's the one thing that I experienced with, with you, Stu, is when we, when I first started learning from you and also getting some help from you is how yeah. much you simplified the immune system as well as how well you connected the dots. Mm-hmm. with the way the body was presenting in terms of symptomology and um, and kind of connecting those dots with the dysfunctions. It was mind-blowing, especially when I had some really complex clients that I needed some support with. I was just like, whoa, like yeah. just how well you could connect those dots. It was true mastery. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I, one of the things that um, really fascinated me was how you could also distinguish what, what compounds to use and what not to use. Mm-hmm. Because that was that was mind-boggling for me. Because I was caught on these massive supplement stacks for for years, and I was just making myself worse. And that's why I plateaued. I just wasn't getting better. I got you know ninety percent better, but I just didn't quite shake that autoimmunity. And um, yeah, learning from you, like a lot of the stuff that I was taking. First thing you said, when I need to come off most of my things and and go more targeted, and that was really really interesting. That, that's so funny because the first things I look at is someone's supplements and quite often they're on 20, 30 supplements, right? And they, they've been on them for a very long time as well, two, three months, six months sometimes, right? And so the first thing you do is you go through that list of things and all those supplements, they all have a, a role in the immune system. They all act on the immune system. And so when you Google things like, uh, what's, what's a great immune, uh, uh, immune driver or, or, or what, what boots my immune system? And you can see a ton of things that boost your immune system, like vitamin C, mushrooms, green tea, coffee extract, all these sort of things, uh, echinacea. But they actually drive different immune types. And so you have TH1 drivers, you have TH2 drivers, you have TH17 drivers. 
And so it's very important to figure out, well, what is someone's immune type, first of all? How do they present? Do they have allergies? Do they have fevers? Do they have mast cells? Do they have itching? Find out where they're starting from. And that determines what supplements you give them because some people will actually get worse on a particular amount, uh, on a particular supplement. So for example, uh, mushrooms drives TH1. And so everyone's on mushrooms to help their immune system, right? But it drives TH1. If you're already TH1, that mushroom will actually make you worse. And so some people have green tea. Green tea drives a TH2, drives a T regulation pathway. And if, you, if you're already TH2 and you take green tea, that actually makes you worse. And, and it's funny because you'll, you'll have a consult and you, and you'll go through and you say, Hey, uh, how did you find that green tea? Oh my God. It makes me terrible. I get sick with green tea. I get sick with coffee, which drives TH2. And then you figure out that you, and you ask, do you have allergies? Yeah, I have allergies. And so they're TH2, but they're taking a TH2 driving supplement. Mm. And so, and that's, and so they end up getting worse. And so, uh, that's how you sort of go through how, how you keep someone's supplement stack very focused on their immune drive. Find out where they're starting from and then where, where, where are you trying to get to? What, what are you trying to drive? And you find that you only take one or two supplements to help drive that immune type. Um, and the most important thing to learn as well is that I know a lot of functional medicine practitioners try and keep people on three to six month protocols all the time. If, if you look at a fever, you're only supposed to have a fever. How long for? How long are you supposed to have a fever? 24, 48 hours. 24 right. hours, three days max, right? And mm -hmm. so that's how your immune system works. It works in very short, sharp bursts. It'll kill the infection and then come out. Kill the infection and, and then come back to normal. Come back to your innate immune system. You, you want to live in your innate immune system. You want to be able to walk around without an allergy. You want to be able to walk around without a fever. That's your acquired immune system drive. And, and autoimmune is your acquired immune system drive. You want to stay steady state, stay in your innate immune drive. And so that's what the immune system does. It goes after infection and then comes back to your innate immune system. And so when we sort of developing protocols, we, we try and do the same thing. We're like, okay, go in this supplement for two weeks, two weeks, get rid of that infection and then come off it. Then try and come back to your innate immune drive. Otherwise, if you start TH2 and you drive TH1, you can overdrive TH1. And so you actually make them into, rather than a TH2 person, if you drive their TH1, you keep them in TH1, you can make them a TH1 person. <laughs> and so this is why you want to balance the immune system. You want to play with the immune system or dance with the immune system just as it would do naturally. Um, that's what your immune system does. That's how you find balance is that you drive in between all these immune types and you, and you, and you find balance. Can we... What I really want to go into is mm. the immune types. Mm. Um, and I, I'd love to explore the symptoms, but one thing I wanted to come into just there, though, is think about how many pracs put people on eight to 12-week protocols. Well, that's me and Jordan. And that's what we did. <laughs> we, we, we did that before we, we met you. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and look, it obviously works for a lot of people, but, mm. but at the same time, it can be like there some people that can... Oh, well, like, yeah. we've run into them, and that's why you were mm. so attractive to us. Is that, yeah. like, yeah, like, and I think Jordan and I have the exact same mm. experience where, mm. yes, we were helping certain people, but then you'd get this one person mm. that would pop up and, like, like you just could, you couldn't help them. Like, they, you'd give them a supplement and they, mm. they, they couldn't have that. You give them a certain food, they couldn't have mm. that. And I was like, mm. what's going on here? I can't, I can't figure this out. And then yeah. when, like, we came across you, I was like, oh, this is the answer. It, yeah, it, it's so funny because I was once where you guys are. I mean, I tell that to everybody out there when I do a, do a workshop on mentorship is that I was once where you guys are 10 years ago. And I was doing the same thing, testing, testing, testing four or five different tests before I could 
because I didn't trust myself to find out the answer myself. I relied on the test so much. And that's what a lot of functional medicine doctors do is they rely on the test. They treat you like a test, like treat you like a number. And you've got to get out of that mentality. Think a little bit differently. Obviously, go through someone's test and then go and so go through someone's history. Their history tells you so much more about them than an actual test. And so the reason why you present with a problem today is because something in your past that's been unresolved. And so you always have to go back into someone's past and figure out what is unresolved that is driving their immune system or keeping their immune system stuck. And so that's, that's what we do. And, and, and then, um, but I, I always do the same thing. I was doing tons of protocols and done tons of supplements before. And then I realized that some people would get worse and some people would get better like you did. And it's always the ones that got worse that irritated me. I couldn't sleep at night. Going, Why yeah, did that person good. get worse? Right. And it's a, and it, and it digs you, right? It's like, yeah. Okay. I gave them exact. They had the same diagnosis. They had Hashimoto's. I gave them exactly the same protocol, and they they rang me up in three days' time, and they were felt worse. And 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 they, they didn't see me again, and they still, you know, cussed me out and stuff like that. And now I would take that to bed, me, and be really annoyed by that. I thought, why did that person not get better? But it's funny because th- those mistakes or those setbacks, right, and um, are the, are your best teachers, and so you start delving. Uh, into different parts. Why did that person get worse? Right. You, mm-hmm. So you almost forget about the ones that got better and uh, you forget about those, but you think always the ones that get worse, always stick with it and always makes you a better practitioner uh, yeah. and a better teacher in, in a funny kind of way. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's uh, to going back to that point where you talked about the history. Well, that's one thing I loved what you did with me. And because mm-hmm. I had an inkling about it anyway, but you, yeah, I talked, you went, we, me and Jordan went through my case as well with you. And, um, for me, like I've always got raised liver enzymes and, um, urea nitrogen. And, and this is in my blood work for anyone mm-hmm. who doesn't know. And, and what, um, Stu looked at was he's like, well, you've, you know, you've got no tonsils and you've got no appendix, which is show, like I've had those, um, removed when I was a teenager. And what he was saying is this has shown that there's been underlying infections. And instead of us dealing with the underlying infections, we, you know, the doctors just remove an organ, remove an organ. Now you've lost those defense mechanisms. What people don't understand is your tonsils are a defense mechanism. They're like a first line of defense of its bre- like what we're breathing in. Mm-hmm. Um, our appendix uh, is a storehouse for bacteria. It's a, it's a part of our immune response as well. Mm-hmm. And you remove these the infection just moves. You put more pressure on a different organ and all of a sudden, like you see something like my liver is constantly under pressure because we've taken away these organs. Yep. You're, you're so right. And so I, I always tell practitioners, never ever treat a presenting problem. Never ever treat presenting condition because that really is a symptom of something underlying that has happened in your past. And so go after initial root trauma. And so quite often, you won't actually sort of see a problem until you, at the very end of the intake form, you see surgeries performed, right? And you'll see tonsils removed and you see appendix removed. You're quite right. Is that that signs in your past, because you were seven years old when you had your appendix removed and you're presenting 35 years old with an autoimmune disease called like Crohn's in your gut, right? And so they remove the immune organ in your gut and it moves your defenses. You're right to, to infections. And so candida and viruses and, 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 and mold love that. When you take away the immune drivers or take away the, 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 the bodyguards to the, to to the immune system, you take them away, they thrive in those environments. And so you always have open attack to these infections, but it is a sign in their history that they have a problem. Not today, not high liver enzymes and uric acid and sort of uh, SIBO or IBS. That is a symptom of that underlying infection, which you know they have an underlying infection because they had that appendix removed. And as you said, removing an organ does not remove the underlying infection. Removing body fat does not remove the the, uh, the fat producing process in the body. And so, um, go after the underlying process rather than going after the diagnosis or the symptom. Cause even autoimmune disease 
is a symptom of an underlying inflammatory immune problem that they've had since they were kids. How many kids these days have been born with allergies and eczema? Mm. Um, and uh, you see it so prevalently these days, and, and, and it's so many, so many kids. And so it sort of tugs at your heartstrings a little bit because you want to help those kids as much as you can. And as all, as, as we're all parents, right? And uh, we sort of hate to sort of see our kids go through that. But it's, but it's, we, we don't want to intervene at the medical intervention, just give them some symptom relief. We actually want to go after their immune system because allergies and eczema is a TH2 drive, even TH9 with mold sometimes. We've seen a lot more mold these days. Um, we're seeing, so we're seeing some, some new immune drive called TH9, which is driven by mold and parasites and stuff like that. So, um, but yes, um, that's, that's, um, that's in a nutshell what, 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 what we do. We never I've, got, I've got heaps I wanted to uh, divulge. Should we go back to like the way TH1, TH2, TH17, TH9 presents itself? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Because one thing I, th- mm. I think is really interesting for athletes, which I loved hearing about was, mm. and it put me into, I've, I've actually been thinking about my injuries and the things that I did. Like I think before my I've had two shoulder reconstructions, mm-hmm. and the weekends before that, I reckon I had two big nights before I had shoulder before I actually hurt my shoulders in uh-huh. football games. And I was I was wondering, would that would that partying or anything like that have driven TH one, which is um, obviously influenced um, tissue breakdown and and could have caused the injury? Yeah. Because I, I'll clarify that, like Shu will go through now, is that. When you're in TH1, you're catabolic, so you're breaking down tissue. So a lot of the time for athletes, maybe your reoccurring hamstring injury 100%. isn't a hamstring problem, it's an immune system problem. 100%. Yeah, and so, um, and, and so we go after the musculoskeletal problem. We go after the presenting problem by, by an injury or a tear or a pain or, or a dysfunction. But underneath that, we know inflammation is underneath that. And if you know that inflammation is always, always run by your immune system, you all, no matter what the inflammation problem is, it's always run by your immune system. And so you have to go into what inflammatory immune type are you? Have you had an infection? This is why, this is why athletes never train when they're sick. They never ever train when they're sick because if they, if they have a risk of actually re- tearing their tissues when they, if, if they train when they're sick. And that's exactly right. If you're TH1 or TH17, the reason why you're catabolic is those immune types break down viruses, break down infections within your body. And so that's why they're catabolic. And so if you're a TH1, TH17 type and you add stress to the problem, you'll react in a very catabolic way to things. And so you'll be the one that has recurring injuries. You're the one having recurring tears, night sweats, hot at night, fevers, can't sleep because you're so warm. And that's a TH1, TH17 type and extremely catabolic. And so this is why those athletes who... Uh, who have infections and they train or they get sick and they get recurring injuries, it's usually an underlying TH1, TH17 catabolic problem. On the other side of that, you get the TH2 swelling types where they, they get puffy, they get swollen, they get joint pain, not because they're breaking their joint down. They get in joint pain because they get lymph nodes are swelling up. Their tissues are swelling up around the joint. They get fluid retention. That's more of an allergic type TH2 sort of drive response. Um, and so this is how... You don't treat those two athletes the same way. You don't. I mean, even though they both present with shoulder pain, knee pain type stuff, you don't treat them the same way because they have different immune types. And so you want to drive them in different directions. And so this is why you become you become a detective almost, as it were, rather than just someone who just gives out a protocol for gut and a protocol for this. You become a detective and it's actually quite a nice world to be in because you're just trying to figure these things out constantly and everyone presents differently. And so it becomes, your work becomes enjoyable because you're trying to figure these things out. It's actually quite nice to do that. And these guys have usually been everywhere 
been everywhere and haven't found results. And so it puts you on a bit of a bit of a higher when you sort of go through these consults. Sometimes you try and figure these things out. And they always, all practitioners always, or public always respond to like, wow, I've never been asked that question before. Or wow, this is a new way of thinking. I ne- I've never sort of gone down before. And so and I, this is why I teach you guys and because I want you guys to take this and teach everyone else and I, I will take it to the world, right? Um, and so that's what it's all about, isn't it? Because uh, we have to share these things and, and make everyone better. Absolutely. One thing that I uh, notice is when I get really, really stressed or go through a stressful uh, period of time in my life, I get these night sweats that start to kick in. And when I was 14, I had glandular fever, so Epstein-Barr's virus. And obviously, we know that that doesn't really go anywhere. The body is just constantly dealing with it. You have and so, giving, right? Mm. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. so, and so, it's interesting when you talk about the TH1, TH17 drive, it's going after viruses, right? So, obviously, when my body gets stressed, the, the EBV flares and then my body, my acquired immune system starts to go after it. And, yep. so, and so, that's and, something I really noticed in myself. Yeah. yeah. And we all think that when we get stressed, oh, and some people say, I never get stressed, right? And we're talking about different stresses. Everyone has different stresses. So you have the emotional stress, childhood trauma, going through divorce, going through, you know, being raised by a single mother, all this stuff. That, that's that sort of childhood trauma that you have take with you all the way through adult life. And we're seeing that people with childhood trauma have a seven times increased likelihood of having autoimmune disease in their 20s and 30s. And so there's that emotional stress involved. And that's what most people think of when it comes to stress. But there's physical stress, exercise, right? Marcus, you were talking about when I exercise, I get these recurrent pain in my joints, recurrent tears. And that's a different type of stress as exercise. It's a good stress to have, but you can over exercise. And guess what? Exercise drives the immune system. And so, and so this is how you get immune responses to exercise. And this is how you might want to change your exercise, what you're doing with exercise, because there's catabolic type exercises and there's anabolic type exercises. And so if you have a catabolic type autoimmune disease, you want to be doing more anabolic exercises for that, for that, for that person. Um, and so, um, but it's funny because may I talk about your history, Jordan? Yeah, right? go for it. All Absolutely, right. and, let's go. And, and so remember we talked about how parasites and, and mold drives TH9, this new, new immune type that I've mm-hmm. just, I've always had this in the background. Why do some people get highs in the sunshine? It's not the sun's fault, but, but why do people get highs in the sunshine? Uh, we can't take the sun away. So it's activating something in your skin, right? And so when we went back into your history, we had to go back in your history because we, because we, we couldn't figure out why these system responses kept coming back. And so these th- things always come back because there's an unresolved issue. Um, from, from, from way back. And so we talked about, um, did you have anything growing up? And you talked about your bumps in the arm. You're talking about your keratosis polaris, right? Yeah. And we talked about, you know, the number one cause of that is actually demodex mites, which is a parasite, right? And so, and, and sometimes these aren't in the gut. These aren't in the liver. These aren't on the inside. They're on the outside. Your skin is a whole microbiome on the skin. Your skin has a microbiome. And so you can actually have bugs living in your skin. Uh, and so, and so that can drive histamine issues. And mast cell issues on because the greatest number of mast cells in your skin and you can get histamine reactions on the skin, even though you treat the gut and you treat the liver and it still keeps coming back. And this is when you started putting some, some, some uh, essential oils on the skin. You started using some of your skin products to actually help with this sort of uh, skin microbiome, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was insane. So, yeah, I, like the combination of that and going after the fungal issues was, was huge for me. Um, yeah. yeah. super targeted with what we were using. Um, yeah. It was so good, and um, yeah, one of the, one of the like the the essential oils were well, like I'm just loving the essential oils now because they've, they've been an absolute game changer for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Using those, yeah. And using them topically, aren't you? Topically, because yeah. I've been using topically, yeah. Like Jordan yeah. and I, with our training, 
you know, we, we wouldn't be the ones to go for topical things. We would be going, oh, well, if there's skin stuff going on, we'd be like, let, like, and obviously the gut plays a huge role in, in the, that skin to gut access. But in saying that, we wouldn't be that specific with how we go about things. But now it's, you've really evolved our thinking, um, which is interesting. Absolutely. And I am losing a little tiny bit in my uh, water here and there as well, but micro dosing it, like, yep. yeah. Which has been huge. Yeah, a little microdosing. I think microdosing does help as well, especially if you have an immune problem, especially if you had your appendix removed and your tonsils removed, that immune problem will unfortunately keep coming back because you have mm. no bodyguard to it. And, and so your, your, your tonsils and your appendix, they learn from your past. They, they learn things and they go after infections quickly. When you, once you take those things out, you've learned that history. You've learned that emotional memory to, to your immune system. You, you lose that. And so every new infection feels like a new infection, even though it's not, right? Mm. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but um, oh, essential oils, right? And so, um, and so, uh, you can use essential oils because um, when you talk about sort of um, the best frequency, the highest frequency thing on the planet, actually, essential oils is like the most alive thing, the highest frequency thing you have on the planet, and you get it from your environment, you get it from nature, and you get it from the ocean, right? And so, um, and so, this is where uh, if you start using these in some of your protocols, they're actually antiviral, antifungal, and uh, antibacterial at the same time. And so quite often we just go after an antibiotic or we go after just an antiviral or we just go after an, an antifungal. And so when we do that, we destroy huge parts of our microbiome that lives in balance with each other. Some viruses kill off fungus, some viruses kill off bacteria, some bacteria kill off viruses and some bacteria kill off, kill off fungus. And so that's where you've had that sort of microbiome balance and diversity because they, they end up killing each other off and this sort of creates that balance. If you kill off just bacteria, you're actually sort of you, viruses and fungus love that and they, they thrive in those environments. And this is why you have fungal infections post antibiotics in a lot of men and females that have, they have fungal infections post antibiotics. It's not a new infection. It's never a new infection. It's just, uh, you've allowed a fungus to thrive in an antibiotic world. Um, and the same thing with antivirus and the same thing with antifungals. You allow the other parts, you mean, or the, or the other pathogens to thrive in that environment. This is a really good segue because, mm. and I wanted to go into this, is talking about, because you mentioned antibiotics, antivirals, would love to go into anti-inflammatory uh, anti drugs, vaccination, mm. and what, mm. what they're doing with the immune system. Because I don't think, I think you really simplify what I'm seeing a lot with clients, yeah. um, like especially especially around like vaccination as well, like post-vaccination, and you talk about how it drives the acquired immune system. We get stuck there, and then all of a sudden we're getting all these TH2 symptoms. Like, and I saw it specifically with a, a child recently where, mm. um, no issues, no issues, and then went in for their first vaccination, boom, eczema. And now, like, and now and I think I talked to you about this client, and now, like, it's like you take away certain foods, but then they just start reacting to more and more and more foods. Yeah, and also TH2 drive as well. Like, people tend to get a lot more sick, don't they, in TH2 drive, and their innate immune system isn't working properly. And we see how many kids who are getting sick a lot and they're not getting better and then further along this might be a bit touching subject for some people but even things like SIDS as well yeah. which I I'm arguing whether that's part of the vaccine sort of TH2 drive well it's funny because I mean we've over the last three or four years we've seen a new pandemic from the pandemic right that big pandemic mm -hmm. is now autoimmunity it used mm -hmm. to be pretty big even before the pandemic and so um, we I used to deal with autoimmunity pre-pandemic um, but the amount of new diagnoses I've seen in the last three or, th three or four years have like tripled the amount of, so we get chronic regional pain syndrome, we have all these new sort of SIDS infections, and we have all these new autoimmune infections post-vaccination, post-COVID. Um, and so 
we've sort of learned, in a way, we sort of learned so much about the immune system because of that, right? And so, uh, and we've learned that so when we take sort of medications, when we take sort of um, uh, things like anti-fever medications, anti-allergy uh, vaccinations, we're actually bypassing our innate immune system. Uh, we're bypassing our own innate intelligence to take care of these things. And so uh, we're almost like not trusting our immune system to take care of this. And so we take something that intentionally drives our acquired immune system. Vaccinations intentionally drive your acquired immune system with TH2 way. This, this past vaccination is actually, because it's not actually a virus. I mean, back in the day, vaccinations, they would give you a virus, like, like smallpox, uh, you know, they, they would actually give you a virus, a small dose of the virus in order to stimulate your immune system to attack that virus if it sees it again. That was the idea of it. It was very homeopathic back then, vaccinations. Now you get synthetic vaccinations now. You get synthetic proteins in this, in this vaccination. You get gluten, you get casein, you get milk products, you get egg albumin in, in vaccinations. The idea is to stimulate the immune system in order to attack whatever it's going after. But unfortunately, it's now driving not just Th2, right? Because vaccinations used to drive Th2 because you make antibodies. Antibodies is a Th2 production, is a Th2 cell, is an antibody cell. Um, but now seeing with spike protein, we're seeing a lot of damage to tissues. We're seeing a lot of tissue breakdown post, post COVID, post vaccinations. And so that we're seeing different immune types from the vaccinations that we never used to before. So this is why we're getting TH17 disorders post vaccination. TH17 is an autoimmune drive. Um, TH1, people are getting very, what they call cytokine storms, which is a TH1 drive where you get very hot, very sweaty, extremely warm and you pass out because you're getting so warm. Right. And then you get anaphylaxis. Uh, with a post-vaccination, which is a, was a really extreme TH2 drive. And so how someone presents and how someone's symptoms, you can actually figure out what immune type they are just from their symptoms alone. And so you don't necessarily have to do a testing here. You just figure out from their history, what happened when you had a virus? Oh, I got, I got allergies when I got a virus. Oh, I got itchy, really itchy skin when I got a virus. I got histamine reactions. And some people would say, oh, I got really hot and sweaty. I couldn't sleep at night. I had to open up the windows because I, I had a fever constantly. Um, and so this is how you can figure out these immune drives from that. But, um, um, but it, it, in essence, um, it bypasses your innate immune drive, uh, Marcus, just to go over there. And so any sort of medical intervention. And so, um, kids, when they get an infection, they have a fever, right? And so our first response is to give them an anti-fever medication yeah. or, or, or to bring their fever down. Panadol. Fe- all right. Um, mm. but that fever is there to get rid of an infection, get rid of a virus. And so if we take an uh, immune suppressor, because Panadol isn't a TH1 immune suppressor, we block that immune drive to get rid of that infection. And so you might feel better, you'll feel cooler, and you'll get less pain, but you've actually not taken care of the underlying reason why you had a TH1 drive in the first place. Why did you have a fever in the first place? And that usually is an infection. But because you feel better, you think that you think that problem's going to wait. When people have their vi- they have their tonsils removed, oh, I feel great now. I don't have any swelling at all. You think the virus has gone away, but it hasn't. It's just gone somewhere else. Yeah. Same thing with the appendix, gone away, right? Same thing with body fat. You remove the body fat. Oh, I, I, I can, I can eat wheat again. Um, but you can't. And so, so that's, the, the, those problems are still there. And, uh, we think they've gone away, but they haven't. When you go to Bali, you get a parasite. You have diarrhea for a couple of weeks, right? You come back home and think, oh, thank God I dodged a bullet there. My diarrhea is gone. But that parasite has just lived in your tissues. It lives in your tissues, lives in your joints, lives in your organs, and it causes pain. And then 10 years later, you get an autoimmune disease and you think, where did that come from? Why have I got an autoimmune disease 10 years later? And it's usually because of these undealt with infections from your past or taking something that blocks your immune drive, immune suppression, corticosteroids, uh, NSAIDs, all these things block your immune drive. And so you don't never ever get rid of the root problem. 
you might get rid of the symptom, but you never get rid of the root problem. Yeah, some of these um, immune suppressant like steroidal drugs are, are interesting. I remember going through a case with one of my clients who has a uh, psoriasis um, arthritis and um, her inflammation in her joints got a lot better on, on, on protocol, but it wasn't fully resolving because she'd been on these drugs for so long. And I know we went through like pro-resolving mediators and now how, how that kind of, um, how inflammation sometimes doesn't fully resolve because of people mm. who have been on these drugs so it'd be interesting for you to talk into that just so there's a bit of understanding as well that a lot of these farm what these a lot of these pharmaceuticals are doing yes and, and that all comes back to that innate, innate immune system drive and so we need inflammation mm. to get rid of whatever is attacking us it might be a toxin it might be glyphosates in our food it might be growth hormones in our food it might be an infection it might even be a guilty thought or, or a fear or, 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 or something, a nasty thought that's within there, some sort of self-hatred, something like that, hmm. uh, within us actually can, can stimulate this innate immune system drive. Um, and so it's funny because inflammation is run by the immune system, but so is healing. And so inflammation, acute inflammation is a two-step process. You get the inflammatory drive, head red, hot, swelling, you get that drive, and then you get the healing process, which are uh, on, on, on the end of that. And, and that's called resolution of inflammation. You get that resolution phase. And that's actually run by something called prostaglandins. And, and prostaglandins was, was actually named because it's actually something they found in the prostate gland. Initially, they found it in the prostate gland. But that's what it's named after, prostaglandin. But, um, but prostaglandins, again, they were the ones that drove your fish oil conversion, your, your fish oils, your EPAs, DHAs into something called SPMs or spinal or specialized pro-resolving mediators. And so that is your anti-inflammatory part of your fish oil. That's what resolves inflammation. And that's driven by prostaglandin, that, that sort of swelling, that, that initial swelling. And so the body is very good at driving something and then at the end of it, resolving it. That's what the body does. That, that, that's what the body should do. And that's what we try and do. But the trouble is, we, we drive too much. We drive one way too much. We never get that resolution or something. And, and, and you, you're supposed to try and teach your body to resolve things in the end. You don't want to keep driving things all the time. And that's why we do these 14-day, 30-day protocols or even three-month protocols. Um, but prostaglandins drive that. And, of course, the medical field would then say, see prostaglandins as the enemy because that's the thing that's causing joint pain. That's the thing that's causing swelling. And you might get that initial joint pain from prostaglandins. But with NSAIDs, they suppress that prostaglandins. And so we don't get that fish oil converting into SPMs, which is part of the resolution process. And so what happens is that you actually go down a fibrotic pathway. You go down a scarring pathway when you, when you get that. You never get true healing. You get scar heal, scar healing. You get fibrotic healing. And so this is why you can get scar tissue build up. Um, you can get sort of recurrent injuries because that, that tissue hasn't healed properly because you've taken something that blocked the healing process. And so um, you look for these things in a client uh, that is on maybe aspirin or NSAIDs, uh, all those things, and look for those things that might be blocking their resolution pathways or blocking their healing pathway, and then give them, them an alternative like fish oils or SPMs or something that actually calms the immune system down without creating scarring or fibrotic lesions in their body. Yeah. And I, uh, without going through every single medication, because we, we, we could be here all day, all day. But there was a term that you used um, in, our, in our course that a lot of these medications do, they, they don't fully resolve like yeah. issues. They are, I forget, forget the word you use. Yeah, they're called resolution toxic. And resolution so toxic. That's uh, resolution toxic. That's and, yeah. yeah. And, so, and so they actually create inflammation themselves because um, they, in the inflammation hasn't, that acute inflammation doesn't resolve. And so you're stuck in an inflammatory condition. 
And so that acute inflammation becomes chronic because you you've kept an inflammatory condition going on. Then that chronic inflammation then drives your acquired immune system because you're stuck in chronic inflammation. Your, your acquired immune system is, hey, innate immune system, what is going on? Well, how come you haven't dealt with this infl inflammation, right? And so then they come in with their TH1, TH17 drive. They try and deal with this inflammation. And that's when you start to get TH1 autoimmunity, TH2 allergies all the time, and TH17 autoimmune condition, TH9 mast cell activation, histamine responses. And so that's, that's how you get stuck there. And that's that chronic inflammation. And then going back to that Time magazine article, Chronic inflammation is then the underlying root causes of all the diseases out there, Alzheimer's, psoriasis, autoimmune diseases, when you're stuck in that chronic inflammation. And so um, we quite often go after the presenting problem of the diagnosis. We give you a corticosteroid on your skin for psoriasis, but it's not, it's not a skin problem. It's actually an immune problem underneath the skin that's the problem. And so this is where um, uh, they, are, they become resolution toxic. And um, you talked before about, about using your skin as a way to actually get healing in the body. And so when we talk about uh, hormone replacement, steroid creams or hormone estrogen creams, where do we put them? We put them on the skin, right? Why do we do that? Because they absorb through the skin and get into your bloodstream via the skin. And so, um, but we're seeing a lot of these sort of, especially with raracetone, we're putting raracetone on the skin for, for an acne. And we're seeing a lot of depression, anxiety and depression from, from years of raracetone, aren't we? And so we can, we can actually sort of see that something you put on the skin is actually affecting your brain. How does that work out? Your medical doctor will say, no, nah, it doesn't happen because skin and brain it's are local. It's local. It's local. They're like not the connected. Like the marina, it's local. Yeah, it's local. Yeah, your copper IUD, right? Your copper IUD is, is, is just in the uterus and not, it's not going in the bloodstream, yeah. right? Vaccinations don't cross the placenta. You can't give it to your babies. <laughs> You know, and so, and so blood is crossing into your baby. And so, and so anything in your blood is going to cross into the placenta, no doubt. Yeah, um, and, and, and this is, and this is why you're having babies born with eczema. And it's like, where did yeah. that come from? Where did that come? Yeah. You don't get, you know, and so this is why. Um, but, um, but this is how you can use, actually use the skin as a power for good. And so I know that you guys are really into these skin products nowadays where you actually have things like curcumin, tea tree oil. You have sort of green tea actually in skin products. And so you use those things to calm down autoimmunity, certain types of autoimmune conditions. And so can you use your skin as a pathway for good rather than just a pathway for bad? And so can you affect the skin? Uh, can you affect the brain by putting something good on the skin? Absolutely you can. And so if you can affect hormones by putting progesterone cream on your skin, you can affect your hormone pathways. Can't you affect your, your immune pathways and can't you affect your brain pathways? Absolutely you can. And so this is where I think going down into the future, where, where are we going with this is that I think we're sort of seeing a lot of people taking things topically, taking things like presumably under the tongue in order to help things. Because as you said before, they react to supplements. A lot of the time they react to powders, they react to capsules because they've lost that oral intolerance in the gut. And so this is why some, some clients can't actually give them a supplement sometimes because they react to it so badly. And so you might have to get through them, get through the skin to help them out. And that's where I think it's going, uh, this mm. whole functional medicine model here. Can we go deep Great into point. that? Because mm. I reckon there's a lot of people um, mm. who might be listening that are in that boat where mm. they cannot have a supplement. They don't know what they're reacting to. They're just reacting like everything they eat they're reacting to, every supplement yeah. they have they're reacting to. Yeah. Could you maybe go into that oral tolerance a little mm. bit more and then maybe offer a little bit of hope of what, what, what you could do to our help? Absolutely. It's huge now. We're seeing a lot more of it these days as well. Because it's actually uh, what they call a TH17 problem. And so loss of oral tolerance is a TH17 problem where it's, we think it's the food, right? And so, and, and so, oh, it must be the dairy I had last night. It must have been the alcohol I had last night, which actually broke down my joint. 
Alcohol doesn't break down joints. Alcohol stimulates the immune system, which then breaks down your joints. Um, uh, an apple that you have an allergy to stimulates the immune system, TH2, which then gives you an allergic immune reaction to that food. And so we quite often blame the food as the problem. So we, oh, let's just take that food out. Then a few, few months later, you react to another food and you say, oh, let's just take that food out. Then you react to another food. Oh, let's just take that food out because we think the food is a problem. It's not. It's your immune system attacking the food. That's the problem. And so it's, it's food sensitivity or food reactions. You either react in a catabolic way, TH1, TH17, or you react in an allergic way to your food, TH2, or you react in a histamine type way, TH9. You get a histamine reaction when you take some food. It's not the food. And it's your immune system reacting that way. And so when we talk about loss of oral tolerance to supplements, even, even good supplements that are good for you, is that your immune system is attacking anything that you put in the body, even if it's a good thing, because it's hyperactive. It's a hyperimmune drive. And so that's what we call loss of immune intolerance. And so if you are able to just go off the immune system rather than just taking foods out your, 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 your daily routine, which is a nightmare because you end up with like four or five things is the only thing you can eat, right? Um, uh, but you just go after the immune system. And why is that immune system overreacting? It's usually a self-infection or with loss of oral tolerance. It can be emotional stress as a mold sometimes that, that, that you're getting in through your sinus tract and stuff. Um, but that's, that's how you go after the immune system rather than the food. And you, be, get, you get much more successful when you do that. I want to move into the um, like emotional kind of like neuroimmune connection fairly shortly. One of the things that um, kind of um, inspired me a little bit with uh, the understanding around, or sorry, just helped me understand a little bit about the loss of oral tolerance thing is, is that the enzymatic a- aspects, I guess, of the stress that the body's incorrect, that's kind of switched off. And then instead what the immune system's doing is it's breaking it's going after the food, correct? Is that right? And that's, that's what's causing the reaction because the body's struggling to, to, to break it down? That's exactly right. And so yeah. when, when we're talking about trauma, we're looking, we're looking at nervous system responses when it comes to mm. trauma. And so this is why not everything is an immune response. And so, but some people can have autoimmune disease even without an infection. Some people can have an autoimmune disease from a stressful event, and that's a nervous system driving that autoimmune problem. Um, but with that, you get, as you know, you get, you, you present with low vagal tone. So high sympathetic dominance, you present with low vagal tone. And so with that low vagal tone, you get loss of stomach acid. You get loss of enzymes being produced by your stomach and your pancreas. And so when you lose those enzymes, something has to come in and take the place of you breaking down that food. Guess what comes in? You get white blood cells coming in to break down the food rather than enzymes because you don't have the enzymes and therefore you have to break down the food and so you use your immune system to break down the food and that's when you start to get that loss of tolerance that insensitivity to food or immune reactions to food because you're driving the immune system to take care of that food because you can't produce the stomach acid in the enzymes and so that's what we sort of see with emotional trauma at a young child they get bloating they get how many, how many kids do you know that when they present with an autoimmune disease in their 30s, they've had constipation since they can remember? They've had mm. dysbiosis since they were a kid. They had like bowel movement problems at six years, seven years old. And so it starts as a bowel movement issue, but then the longer you had that for, it then becomes inflammatory, and then you get immune problems, and then you get Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis from that IBS issue. And, that, and, and that's when you start to get immune reactions to food rather than enzyme hydrochloric reactions to food. And, this, and, and these are the people that you give a TH1 driving supplement to. And I've done this with t- clients yeah. before. I give them something yeah. like biocide and liquid. Yep. 
and they would be calling me the next day going, next day. fuck you, basically. Like, what have you done? Exactly. I, I, went, through yeah. that same, I went through that same thing. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and then what I started to understand was a lot of this was just the body was under so much stress because of the emotional stuff. And we were doing emotional work. And so we were bridging that gap, but I still, you know, had this, you know, it was presenting in their blood work that it looked like they were dealing with infection. Maybe they still were, but maybe the, the lower hanging fruit at that time was to, was to just process emotion and, yeah. and, and detox emotion almost and get their yeah. vagus nerve into a better spot so their body sure. wasn't so reactive. Yeah. yeah. But it, and it's like, it, it's always multi-moldy, right? And so you have physical issues, you have emotional issues, you have actually immune issues, and you have food issues. You have everything into the same pot. This is why you can do sometimes better with a chiropractic adjustment. You feel better, right? And sometimes you do an immune drive, you feel better. And sometimes you do vagal work and you do feel better. Sometimes you do emotional trauma work, you feel better, right? And so you, sometimes you need all four. Sometimes you need all four things. And how do you figure that out? You go through someone's history to figure that out. What have you had in your past that might be contributing to this problem you're presenting with today? Don't test today because it's not a today issue. It's a past issue. And so you go back in someone's past and see, have they had gut problems? Have they had parasites in their past? Have they had emotional trauma in their past? Have they had allergies in their past? And, and so that's how you determine someone's protocol. It's not based on today's test but on someone's past history and seeing what they've been dealing with. And so, as you know, in, in your field, both of you guys are doing amazing work with emotional trauma. Well done, by the way. Uh, doing amazing work with that. And you're, and you're seeing a lot of autoimmune and a lot of inflammatory problems caused by emotional trauma. And again, this didn't happen at 35 years old. This happened at six months. This happened at nine months. This happened at birth trauma, right? This happened at sort of losing your, your parents when you were five. And so you're still stuck in that response. That's a nervous system response. And it's the same thing with the immune system. If you had an infection when you were five that you were in hospital for for seven days, like a mono infection, right? Guess what? At 35, you're going to have that same reaction as if you still have it. And so that's your memory and that's your emotional trauma involved with it. Mm. Mm. Huge. Yeah, yep. huge and can relate because like a lot of, a lot of the, the big part of the work for me to help me overcome my health issues is been processing emotion like i've every like i'm a very emotional guy i'm very sensitive i take on a lot and it's obviously a lot of it is to do with childhood and intergenerational trauma but yeah every time i noticed i'd you know my body would started to get like more kind of histamine build up like mast cell and one of the things that you said i was producing too many mast cells and i think a lot of that for me was also the the way i kind of absorb like kind of my um the way i absorbed emotion the amount of stress my body would hold because of that and every time I'd process emotion, a lot of the histamine and mast cells would, would calm down. Yep. And, um, yeah, so very interesting. Yeah, like breathing exercises that actually calm down your mast cells. Yeah, exactly. Because mm. I mean, we do see a nervous system component to mast cells. And so when, guess, when we get stressed, like, like when we get stressed, we get dry mouth sometimes. When, when, we, when we're stressed, we get, we get sweaty sometimes when we're stressed out. Like about to give a podcast or about to do a speech, we might get dry mouth. Some people get itchy skin. Some people get red skin when they get stressed out. Those are two different immune responses. Like I can't sort of put that simply enough. Is that why does someone present with 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 lots of uh, saliva? Why does someone present with histamines? They're two different pathways going on, and those two different pathways are two different immune responses. And so when you're trying to figure out someone's solution, figure out where they're starting from and where you need to drive their immune system in order to find that balance again that they need, or drive it back to their innate immune system. And so. Um, don't think that every every sort of stressed person has the same inflammatory response because they don't. Don't think that every Hashimoto's has the same inflammatory response or the same immune response because they don't. Because 
you, you'll find out when that got, that person called you up three days later and said, I'm feeling yeah. worse. That's because you've driven their immune system the wrong way, right? Mm. And so, um, and so you'll know very quickly when you've driven their immune system run, the wrong way, just like you know very quickly that you're actually getting success with these clients is that within sort of five, six, seven days, they're actually feeling better already. And it's like, I can't believe this. I've been dealing with this for six months or 20 years in some cases, right? How can this change in five weeks over a Zoom phone call? How come you're not mm. sending me out for tests and how come you're not sending me out for blood work? Um, yeah. And so it's, a, it's amazing when you sort of keep it this simple, keep it immune focused and stress focused, nervous system focused, trauma focused like you guys do. You have amazing, amazing results very, very quickly. Yeah. And that's the one thing that we're not doing now is making those mistakes of those more sensitive clients because we've learned from you and it's been an absolute pleasure to, yeah. to learn that from you, Stu. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, and, um, and you, yeah, and you find even too many supplements drive you, drive your nervous system, drive your immune system, right? And this is where you just yes. stay focused. But, uh, but you guys are doing amazing work and, and, you, and I'm glad to see you really incorporating some of the stuff and really well and sort of fit into your practice and, um, doing really good. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, what I've actually, uh, loved is, you know, obviously, as we've talked about in the functional medicine space and we've sort of touched on it a little bit is the, um, supplementation and the stacks of supplementation. Um, now I've, I've fallen into it before where I've done like huge stacks of stacks of things for clients. Um, could we go into a little bit of specifics around the driving of the immune system of what products drive what? Now, like I'll try and clarify for people. So if you are stuck in T TH2, we want to drive we want to drive you into TH1. If you're stuck in TH1, we want to drive you into TH2. Um, mm -hmm. If you're stuck in TH17, we might um, drive T regulation. Yeah. Now, what what are some of the things? Say I was stuck in TH2. What are the, some of the things that we want to stay away from? And then what are some of the things that we would want to incorporate to actually drive TH1? Okay, good, good question. And so this is exactly where you start. And so a client comes in with joint pain and you figure out, okay, what type of joint pain are they getting? Is it TH2 joint pain, like a swelling or is it TH1 joint pain? And you figure that out from their, from their symptoms. And so if, if someone's TH2 with joint pain, they're always, always, always going to have allergies with the TH2 type. And so, um, and so what do you avoid? So the first thing you want to do is actually get them off TH2 drivers. And so there are some, certain things they have in their, in their supplement range or certain lifestyle things or certainly even foods that they're taking, like coffee. Coffee drives TH2. Soy products drive TH2. Hormone products like drive TH2 because, because if we think TH2 is also a pregnancy drive as well. And so in pregnancy, we have high estrogen, high progesterone. We get higher hormones. And so these high hormones can also actually drive TH2, which is why we're seeing endometriosis is the TH2 autoimmune drive sometimes. Um, so we avoid TH2 drivers, soy, coffee, red wine, um, those sort of things, dairy, or especially hormone-fed meats, hormone-fed dairy uh, products are driving TH2 problems. Um, and so then we want to sort of like drive TH1, and we can do that with a whole list of things. You don't need the whole list of things. You only need one or two things to help drive TH1. So things like golden seal would be an example, ginger, echinacea. Elderberry drives TH1. Um, mushrooms drive TH1. So a whole list of things drive TH1, which actually sort of um, helps you drive that immune system. And then that takes you away from allergies. And so the first thing you're going to notice when you sort of uh, put these clients on a TH1 drive is that their allergies go away. Their allergies start to go away. And, and that's a symptom because you're only at that level of symptom. You still have to address the underlying infections that's driving that TH2 or underlying, uh, toxins or underlying, uh, allergens that are driving that TH2 response. And so you still have to take those things out. Things like, 
birth control pill, which is a hormone drive, or things like grass, uh, grain-fed proteins or grain-fed meats rather than grass-fed meats, which are sort of high in proteins or high in inflammatory uh, grains or high in hormone-fed meats is what you want to take out of their, their, their diet. So it's, it's more than just a supplement drive. Um, it's, yeah. You have to take away care of those things as well. Um, and what we're seeing nowadays is that we talk about TH17 autoimmune. So a lot of autoimmune conditions uh, initially we thought was just a TH1 problem, like a bad TH1 problem. Since COVID, we're seeing a lot of more TH17 autoimmune type problems. So, so your clients will sort of say, I got Crohn's post-vaccination. I got psoriasis post-vaccination or I got uh, autoimmune disease post-virus. That's going to be in their history. And so you know there's either a vaccine or, or a viral drive to that problem. It's either an infection drive or a damage type drive to that problem. And so what we're now sort of seeing is that um, if you drive TH1 now, you can actually inhibit TH17 or block TH17 if you drive TH1. Mm-hmm. Um, and so TH1 was seen as the bad guy before, but it's not so much anymore. Um, but um, And so again, you do the same protocol for even for a TH17 client as you would for a TH2. Okay. Um, the only the only difference in that is that certain things drive TH2, like like uh, coffee, and certain things like drive TH17, like nuts, beans, seeds, and lectins. They drive TH17 problems, right. right? And so you have to take those things out. Not that it's a lectin problem, but you have to take away the trigger out initially. And how you can test if you're if you're doing quite well with this client is you can put those things back into their protocol. And so say, say someone was getting reactions to beans with a TH17 drive, and then all of a sudden, two weeks after you've calmed their TH17 down, test the client. Give them some beans and sort of see if they had that same reaction. Um, some people have allergies to cats sometimes. They have a TH2 allergy to cat uh, problem. You, you, you take them out of TH2, they can actually pet, pet their cats again. It's not yeah, a cat it's, it's not a cat problem. We, we think it's a cat problem, but it's not. It's a, it's a TH2 immune drive. That's the problem. So you take them out of TH2, they, you can actually pet, pet your cats again. Leave it or not. I, know, so, I don't think we've stressed this enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we've actually sort of skimmed over this a little bit. Is mm-hmm. that like there's people out here right now, like, and they'll, they'll be listening and saying, yeah, I've got allergies. I've got mm-hmm. histamine issues. Maybe I'm T2, I'm T17. Mm-hmm. And like, what we need to understand is like, you may think you're so complex and you've had all these specialists say, oh, I can't help you. Like, if you get this immune drive right with just a few little like tweaks, and that's the big thing Stu is about, mm-hmm. it's very simple understand your type then understand the, the the drives that are driving that type you can pat a cat without you know you don't have to stay away from cats or, like, or an environment with mm-hmm. cats or you don't have to be um you know yeah. staying out of the room where there's peanuts you know yeah. that there's a possibility that you can interact with all these environments without your immune system going into overdrive and possibly just from microdosing a little bit of essential oils and we're talking about microdosing mushrooms right to sort of keep you in that th1 overdrive T- yeah. when, when you accept a TH1, you're almost like OCD. You, you want to get things done. You're almost like a superhuman when you drive TH1 because uh, you're driving metabolism to go after infections. You're, sort of raise, you're racing around sometimes. You can be over. You can get your heart racing if you drive TH1 too much, right? But mm-hmm. if you microdose it, you, f- you feel really invincible. You feel really good, right? And so they microdose mushrooms in Silicon Valley to keep their minds active and to, and to get things done. You can do the same thing with your immune system almost, right? You can actually sort of uh, keep these... If you get recurring candida, if you get recurring histamine issues, recurring muscle issues all the time, sometimes you have to microdose a little bit to keep yourself topped up in that TH1 drive in order to keep these things at bay sometimes. And that's what you'll find uh, with a lot of clients. But fun enough, you you only find out when you come off these supplements in a funny way, right? And so you can stay on the supplements for life and feel really good, right? But it's it's it's... 
you have at some point you have to take the stabilizers off the off the bike, right? At some point you have to let the child ride the bike by themselves. Yeah, and that's what we try and do in in this mentorship is right. At some point, we freedom is about or health is about freedom, and freedom is actually not relying on supplements all the time, right? And so if we want to really encourage freedom in our clients and freedom from our thoughts and freedom from supplements, we have to take away the supplements at some point. And so it, don't be afraid of taking, one, of taking away supplements. You're taking away the symptoms. Let's see if you can do this without supplements now. And so this is why we take people off supplements a little bit and see how they do. If their itching comes back, if their allergies come back, fine. We just drive TH1 again. That's all we do. Or maybe you might need to do a microdosing of TH1 to keep allergies away. But at least you know. At least you know that. And sometimes you don't know until you come off the supplements. Yeah, I'm really big on that. Like a lot of clients, I'll get to the end of the protocols. They're like, oh, what ones do I need to stay on? I'm like, none. I don't want you to have any <laughs> unless they're needed. Yeah. yeah. So, but, um, can I, can I go in a little bit deeper just with like some gut issues? So mm. some more stubborn gut issues, like, um, maybe like SIBO or CIFO. Now, like with your practice over time, now, obviously I've been, I've gone through different, um, training and stuff and I've done like longer antimicrobials. And have you mm. found that, like even with these like stubborn um, sort of overgrowths, which have probably, um, you know, got a high Bi- amount of biofilm. biofilm. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, have you found that like, you know, it's, is it possible like you can do, do you generally do like a two-week antimicrobial, then come out immune drive, two-week antimicrobial? And and how long does it generally take before you've realised, before will you add foods back in, like add high FODMAP foods back in and they're fine? Yeah, exactly. And so you, you do that by taking those two week drives and taking a few days off and you sort of see how your body responds to taking off, coming off the supplements, right? And so that's mm-hmm. how you, you decide, well, Hey, I came off the immune drive. I got rid of the infection. Maybe. How do you know you got rid of the infection? You don't. You don't mm-hmm. know until you got rid of the infection. You come off the supplements. Does that infection come back? Unfortunately, you with your appendix removal, that infection will keep coming back because your large intestinal bacteria will keep coming into the small intestine because you've lost that appendix to stop that from happening. And so unfortunately, you have to microdose each day. And so we talk about structured water where you put, you know, I'm looking at the sea right now. And so we take this, all this purified water. We have this purified water and we have this, have this alkaline water and we think we need pure water in our bodies. Pure water does not exist in the bodies. Our bodies in water, our lymph glands or our fluid is more like the sea. It's full of minerals, it's full of salt, it tastes salty, it looks murky, it looks dirty. That's exactly what we should be drinking when it comes to sort of water. We should actually be putting some minerals in us in our water, putting essential oils in our water, putting anything like vitamin C in our water, maybe some mushroom powder in our water, something like we can microdose in water every single day. And that should be the first thing that you drink before you actually have your coffee or before you have your vodka, guys, right? And so you should actually be doing a structured water in the morning before coffee and almost like taking a dip in the ocean. Um, and that's what structured water does to you. And so you might have to microdose with a couple of drops of essential oil in your water to keep those infections at bay if you've had your appendix removed. But also with recurring infections, sometimes that's what you have to do for a little bit longer. And how long do you do it for? Everyone's different. Thanks. You're fine, right? Everyone's different. And so you only know how long you do it for by actually coming off the, pro- the protocol and then yeah, see how, yeah. see how you respond by coming off, right? Um, and, um, and as you know, uh, Jordan, is that with some of your clients, sometimes it isn't a supplement issue. Sometimes it isn't a diet or exercise issue. Sometimes when you do a, a protocol for one or two times, three times, and the problem keeps coming back, that's when you know that you're actually 
maybe you haven't addressed the underlying root cause. Maybe there's something else going on. And so this is where you look at emotional trauma and you look at sort of vagus nerve, you look at nervous system, um, and you look at sort of uh, your activities and your thought patterns sometimes. Your thought patterns, your thought patterns dictate, dictate your success sometimes. And so sure. negative thoughts can actually sort of give you negative results, you know. Yep, yep. Yeah, we see that a lot. Like even um, Dr. Yoda Spencer did a like a, an awesome study on this with like secretory IGA. Yeah, yeah. Like this gratitude work, how it's stimulated, I think, by 50 extra, like um, people who weren't doing like in a gratitude sort of state or they yeah, weren't. They weren't grat- grat- yeah, gratitude. They had 50% less secretory IGA compared to the people that, that were in that state. So Yeah, your thoughts. Have you ever seen those studies where they sort of take water and you actually talk to the water? Have you ever seen yes. that? Yes, yeah, and that's so, wild, yeah. And so, and so you're positive, you're positive and you swear at the water, right? You can have negative reactions. That water becomes less structured. Actually, you, yeah. you break well, some of the structure. Well, this is interesting, though, Stu, mm. because guess what the element of emotion is? Water. Why? I didn't know that. That's, yeah, that's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah, so the, I, yeah, the yeah. element of emotion is water. Yeah. Okay, and so, but this is why we used to pray before dinner. We used to give positive mm. thoughts to our food yeah. before we ate it, right? And we used to talk mm. to our food before we ate it. Some people still talk to their water before they drink it. And mm. so, or we give thanks, give gratitude to whatever yeah. provided this food, whatever provided this water. And that actually makes your water stronger, right? I mean, it may, it may sound like a little bit, what are these guys talking about? But it's been proven now. You can actually sort of see it under a microscope, these changes. And Joe Dispenser is a great, way, great guy for doing yeah. that. He, he always does science facts. Back to, back to research as a Joe Dispenser. But connecting the dots, like 70% of your body is water, right? So mm. how much of your environment that you're surrounding yeah. yourself in, yeah. whether you're maybe with a narcissistic person or whether you're in yeah. I don't know, a war-stricken country or whatever it may be, or even mm. furthermore, the trauma that you've been through and your own inner dialogue, like how much that's influencing your the, the, the structure in your body in terms yeah. of when we talk about structured water, like it, it's sending all your cells rogue, isn't it? So, well, there's, yeah. there's a woman... There's a woman, sorry to interrupt on yeah. your shoe. There's a yeah. woman, and I've listened to her on a podcast. I want to get her on this podcast. She was actually freezing water after um, talking to it, and it was freezing into certain shapes. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Like, they call it crystallizing. Yeah. And it's, it's absolutely crazy. And it changes, and she's been able to replicate it based on her thoughts. So that's that whatever, also whatever she's given to that water, it'll replicate the same picture. And if she gives yeah. a negative feedback, it re- replicates the same picture. Yep. Phenomenal. Yep. Yeah, I've got yeah, it. I want to yeah. get the woman. She's Australian. Yeah. I'm going to get her on the podcast. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing stuff with Japan, right? And so we're seeing those studies in Japan as well. And even forest mm. bathing and, and going into the forest for three days yes. and you, you cure breast cancer. We've seen that in Japan and we're seeing a lot of that. Um, but it's funny you mentioned crystals because before when you, when, uh, you said something, I was actually going to mention crystals and if, asking if you guys had crystals. Um, yeah. I don't know if you have crystals. And, and what do you, and what do you do every full moon? What do you do every four you minutes? Your crystals. Yeah. You put them outside, right? Because the moonlight, just like the sunlight, moonlight charges those crystals. It gives it energy, right? And it charges the seawater. When you, the moon comes under the sea, it charges the seawater up. You have seawater within you. And so the moon charges your body up. The sunlight charges your body up, which is why sunlight is one of the best things for TH17 autoimmune disease is actually getting out in the morning sun and you actually sort of uh, inhibit TH17 autoimmune disease, believe it or not. And there's studies on that. And so, and so we are, we are seawater. And so we get charged up by the sun and we get charged up by the moon um, through that ener- energetic process for sure. Um, well, this is really good because um, mm. it's, 
put me into a few things that were done in the course and you've talked mm. about um, forest breathing. You've also talked about like uh, lunar bathing mm. and you've talked about obviously um, with, you know, sunbathing. Can we go into a bit of like lunar bathing and, and the forest bathing and what that actually does for our body? Yep. Because people wouldn't do the moon, the moon but everyone knows about like getting morning sun, but no one thinks about getting under the moonlight. I know it's funny because it, everyone says, oh, so I get in the sun, I get hive reactions, I get TH9 hive reactions, I can't do the sun. Go do the moon at night, right? And you don't have yeah. that same reaction. And and it's funny because um, over the years, I was like, I, some clients would say to me, you know, I get problems when I when I do saunas. I get, when I do infrared saunas, I actually have a problem. I actually get hives or, or, or I get heat heat reactions to things. And so I always tell them, to go, well, go do an ice bath instead. And so, oh my God, ice baths are fantastic. I love it. I, I love cold showers. And so people react to different things. And this is what you're going to find out in someone's history. When you go through something, do you do well with the cold? Do you do well with the heat? And so this is where you sort of, um, you have these heat shock proteins and these cold shock proteins, which add stress to an already stressed out body. And so you figure out where does your stresses come from? Is it heat? Is it cold? And this is where you can find out would you give someone cold therapy or would you give someone heat therapy? Um, but it's the same thing with the, with the, with the lunar bathing is that they can do lunar bathing at night. They can get out in the, in, in the, in the moonlight and actually recharge themselves that way. Um, and there's studies where, you know, you, you, you change the external environment as well as the internal environment. And so if I had cancer, you know, God forbid, if I was ever cancer and ever deal with that, I would probably do a three day fast in a forest underneath the moonlight, underneath the trees, get absorb things from the ground i would like lie naked on the ground absorb soil absorb minerals from the ground absorb energy from the ground and also you know essential oils where do they come from they come from tree barks they come from leaves of trees of, of little stems and lot of stem leaves and that's if you squeeze it what comes out is actually essential oil comes out of these leaves and so you can actually sort of bathe yourself in that environment for two or three days do a fasting protocol for two or three days which is shown to to to, to drive autophagy which kills cancer cells kills autoimmune cells right Drives up and those so, nk cells as we've yeah yeah, yeah. yeah those natural killers are, which is part yeah. of your innate immune system this is where you don't need a th1 drive to kill off cancer you can actually do a, a natural killer cell innate immune system drive to kill off cancer um but, that, but that's 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 what you so you absorb things from your surroundings just like like as you say uh, turbulent people and negative people you absorb that energy from the surroundings you can actually absorb good things too and so sometimes we forget that a lot of things that we do are free we can actually yeah. get in the moon, we can get in the forest and then just breathe it in for two or three days. And sometimes it, you have to get over your thought patterns. Well, this is not working. This is, this is hokey pokey. I can't believe I listened to those three guys in this podcast and they talk about forest bathing and they only do, <laughs> and they, and they only do it for an hour and they go back and they still have joint pain, right? You, you have to do it for like at least 14 to 24 hours. You have to get out there and actually bathe in the forest, spend the night in the forest. This is why we go camping, right? Yeah. You spend the, spend the night in the forest and don't go on a, on a tarpaulin plastic tent. Get on the earth. Get yeah. on the earth and, and, and sort of get in the, get in the, the rivers, get in the streams, absorb all the, all the energy from that. And, sleep uh, on the and, and some of the emotions that are going to come up in those situations oh, as well. You know, you, you, <laughs> you, 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 you drive yourself, yeah, you drive yourself crazy after day or two, right? <laughs> but, 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 but there's, but there's hope on the other side of that. I mean, you get that inflammation, then you get the re resolution. You think, actually, I can live with my thoughts, actually. I can, I, those are negative. Those are positive. And you can sort of just get rid of negative thoughts by doing that, right? Exactly. Um, and, and so, and this is where you can actually, you come out of that situation, not only healthier in the brain, but also healthier in the body as well, for sure. And this yeah, is what we're those seeing. environments, 
like no distraction. Mm. And I always say to people with meditation, like I'm like, don't do guided meditations. Actually sit and no noise coming in. You just have to sit with your own thoughts for a period of time. Mm. And that's where like it's like going through the storm. That's where you get the resolution because you've got to go through that acute phase where you're oh, really yeah. uncomfortable with what's going on upstairs yeah. for you yeah. then to get to that resolutionary phase. But mm. you don't get that without going through that inflammatory phase first. Um, and, and you'd nail it, Lighty. Like if the, the storm that I went through to get through this Marcel <laughs> Like, like, like the, the die-off symptoms, for example, the emotional processing. I'm telling mm. you what, I didn't sit in comfort to get there, that's for sure. No. You didn't. But, and, and this is what you're fine. When people have this sort of Marcel drive or even autoimmunity, I mean, you get the ones that are striving for that solution, taking everything from outside of the body because their solution must be outside. They must take a supplement mm. or they must go somewhere, get, get an operation, go to a doctor to get their resolution. But often... You actually get resolution from the inside out, and so and so sometimes you have to sort of deal with those toxic emotions to actually sort of heal an autoimmune disease. And we're seeing that a lot more these days post COVID because guess what? Everyone was locked down for six to eight months, right? And so you can see that stressful environment increasing autoimmunity, not just with an infection. It wasn't just the vax; it was actually uh, nervous system sort of exposure and and being locked down. Um, when they do these experiments on nervous system and autoimmunity, and they do it on mice because you can't do it on people, right? Guess right. what they guess what they do from from mother mice? They take away kids from, from they take away uh, family members from the mice, and they see their autoimmunity drive go up through the roof with that. Right. And so that's that's what you're seeing when you're trying to give someone when you're trying to give a, ma- a mouse MS. What do you do? You you actually vaccinate it with a virus. You actually give that mouse a virus, <laughs> and it drives autoimmunity. And so this is how we're seeing this viral load will drive MS, or or or, or candida load will drive eczema. You give the you give the the mouse a a, a, a candida load or, or a fungal load, and you see their skin changes within days. And yeah. so you see studies on that stuff with like MS and stuff like like EBV being a link to it and all these different things. But yeah, but also yeah. like. Like, look at the soup that you're, like, you're talking. We've got all these chronic illnesses that, like, we're dealing with and they've all got different names and whatnot. They've mm. got different symptoms. But, like, the more, you know, the more, I, and obviously I know this myself, but the more, you know, like, we're just getting away from nature. Yep. Like, we're so far. And I was going to actually go into, you know, childhood cancer like rates and how high they are and, you know, talk to you about that because in the sense of, like, obviously, you know, we're so far away from nature, as we just talked about. But then it's like we're doing all these things to drive their immune system. Uh, you know, are we – are kids now being like, you know, you say they're naturally born with their innate immune system, but are some coming out not like – not in their um, innate immune drive. They're actually in acquired and possibly no uh, natural killer cells, and that's why we've got such high cancer rates. That's, that's what we're seeing. And so cancer is predominantly a TH2 drive. And so your TH2 drive is growth. So when we talk about growths, and so most cancers are growth cancers. You, you get some lytic cancers where you're breaking the body down, some sarcomas where you're breaking down your, your muscles and your joints and your ligaments and stuff. Those are sort of breaking down cancers. But most of your cancers are, are their growths within your body. And that's, that's usually a TH2 drive. Um, and so why we're seeing this in kids a, a lot more is that we're almost at the mercy of our mother's microbiome sometimes, right? And so um, we, we sort of, we were held in that regard. And also our father's microbiome too. It's not just a mother, but we're seeing a lot, a lot more fathers actually sort of giving toxins to the mother pre-birth, right? And preconception. And so this is where you, you have a, you have a beautiful egg with one sperm and one, and, and, uh, and the egg and it's becoming, becomes a, a, 
conglomeration of, of both possible infections from two people from mother and father, and you're creating this sort of um, this sort of uh, an egg which or, or or a pregnancy which is actually sort of toxic already, right? And so, yeah. and this is how sometimes you can be born with that, and then you throw in all the emotional and and generational trauma that you were talking about before, Jordan. You throw that into mix, and you sort of all of a sudden you you get born with eczema, and, and you're like, where did that come from? Um, and so sometimes you have to look at parents sometimes. And so this is why we do ask about parents. We ask about dogs, right? So do you, if you have a parasite, oh, do you live with a dog? Oh, yeah, the dog's, the dog's got a parasite. We don't ask about parents sometimes. We don't ask about what was your upbringing like and uh, what was your, do you, we you lived in a moldy household? Did you have uh, parents that were fighting all the time? We don't really ask about that as a root cause of autoimmunity, but it's, it, it exists. And so, um, but, um, when, Remember we talked about how a lot of miscarriages are because remember pregnancy is a is a an immune drive. Pregnancy is actually an immune drive, and we sort of Dr. Kate Smith actually sort of covers this. Mm-hmm. She does a whole sort of pregnancy fertilization pregnancy module, and we, we sort of because because uh, we learned that pregnancy is an immune drive, and it, this is about again about fifteen years ago. You know how some people when, when they get sick they get better, you know, or when they get sick they they take away their allergies, right? On the other hand of that is that sometimes pregnant females, they, ha- they have Crohn's disease before the pregnancy. And then all of a sudden pregnancy, their pain magically goes away. And they actually get better during pregnancy. And so pregnancy, we know, is an is immune modulator. It calms down your immune system. And the reason why it does that is that you don't want an overactive immune system when you're pregnant. Because if you have autoimmunity, guess what? You're going to possibly go after your own fetus. And so that's, and that's that catabolic TH1, TH17 we talk about is that sometimes you break down your own body. Sometimes you break down your own fetus. And so a lot of first trimester, first eight weeks, failure of implantation, all this sort of failure of pregnancy in the first, uh, uh, three months, miscarriages are seen as that your TH1, TH17 immune types cannot shift all the way to TH2 and calm that, uh, that, that, that autoimmunity down. And therefore you have miscarriages there. And so. And so for the mothers who are successful going into TH2, because of blood flow through the placenta, your babies are born slightly TH2. Your babies are born, because that's the blood they've inherited from their mother, they're born slightly TH2. So they're born much less immune sort of driving. And this is why kids get infections. This is why you want your kids to have infections. You want your kids to get sick. You want your kids to get fever because fever takes you out of that TH2 eczema allergy drive. Infections take you out of that. And even there's TH1 drivers, even in mother's milk. And so prolactin is a hormone in mother's milk that we thought was just, oh, it's there to produce milk. We're understanding that a lot of hormones these days are not actually hormones, they're actually immune drivers. And so prolactin in mother's milk is actually a TH1 driver. We have short-chain fatty acids in mother's milk. And so all these things that help regulate our immune system are actually in mother's milk. And so, um, and so this is why it's very important that babies have sort of mother's milk at, at, at birth to help that TH1 drive. But more importantly, let them have infections. Let them get sick. And this, this is how you get that immune balance from TH2 to TH1 and back again. You want that balance um, there. And it's the most adaptable immune system that is the most powerful, not the strongest. It's the most adaptable one. And so you want that adaptability in your, in your immune system. And uh, those seven immune types, you need all seven of them, but just not too strong. I hope everyone heard that. Your mm. kids are allowed to get sick. Yeah. Let, <laughs> let, the, let, the, let them eat dirt, right? Let them be they're not going to fall apart. <laughs> they're not. 
And so remember the olden days, you know, you put, you put a, put a cold, when Marcus, my son Marcus, when, when yeah. Marcus gets, gets warm and he gets warm, you can feel it. You know, he's warm, right? And so you, you pick him up, uh, uh, you know, out of the bed and he's like, Oh my God, he's warm today. And so you might want to put a cold cloth on him or you might want to put him into, in, into the ocean or you might want to put him into, into the pool where it's mm-hmm. a little bit cooler and let, let him ride it out. Let him ride it out. And mm-hmm. so yeah. you know, it's only going to be 24, 48 hours, right? And so we rushed for that intervention. Trouble is, when we rush that intervention, we're actually blocking our innate immune system. We're actually blocking our healing process when we run to that, to that intervention. So obviously, some people need it. And so we deal with a lot of clients who have a lot of intervention in their bodies yeah. at the moment. And so we, we help them through that. It's, it's not, a, not a judgment process at all. We just know, we have to know what we're dealing with sometimes. Sometimes you're taking some resolution toxic supplements. And so we, we sort of help you through that process. Uh, uh, but not by taking them, you off them right away, but finding you safe alternatives to, to use instead. Yeah, it's a good segue because, um, Mila, our daughter, she's not vaccinated and, um, and she got COVID pretty early on and she just, just sat there on the couch a bit. <laughs> like, just sat there and, but she was fine like she was cool and then um and then she got another little bug um uh recently uh, recently and um and cool. th- yeah that yeah that, that that got her a little bit bad conjunctivitis bit of a fever she was a bit sick for a few days and then a bit of a prolonged cough but she got over it she was sweet mm. and now she's got chicken pox has she yeah, but but guess how many like it, it, you can't even see it. Like it's like yeah. it's like there's like one there's like one dot in her head, like one in her arm because <laughs> Evelyn's um a bit stressed at the moment. She's got shingles and so she mm. got off Ev. And right. so um right. yeah, and so that's, um that's actually interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting yeah. because stress yeah. shingles. Yeah, stress yeah. shingles, right? Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, and uh, and you think and and you think it's it's a viral load, right? And so, because um, mm. under under stress, we inhibit our immune system under stress, right? We're, we're, yeah. We lower our immune system, and therefore our infections, which are always there, our infections are always there under the surface. They're not new infections; yeah. they just come to the surface under stress. Yes, that's right. Like you yeah. said, yeah. But I found it really fascinating to see that you know you see most kids they just come out and like chickenpox all over the body. And you can just tell that her immune system is just firing all the cylinders. Of course, we give her a lot of love. Of yeah. course, we, um, you know, give her really good food and, and we do all these things um, to make sure her immune system is in a really good spot. But yeah. as you said, we let her get sick so her immune system can switch on. It can bounce in towards, you know, into the yeah. acquired, into the innate and yeah. And work yep. out, you know, the way it's meant to. So yeah, and so and so, and you can take some short-term intervention. I mean, sometimes if you're in so much pain, you need an aspirin. Sure sometimes loss of sleep is worse than actually taking aspirin for the pain. Yeah. And so obviously take some, take some short-term intervention at first, but just know that it's not a long-term, long, long-term solution. It's not. It's actually long-term makes you worse. And so mm-hmm. how many people die of aspirin use in America each year? Like 35,000 people a year die of aspirin use uh, oh, from, gas- from gastric Ooh. bleeding. They get gastric bleeding from aspirin use. Because they're so just it might- using it every day. Yeah, every day. Not even, not even overdosing it. Just everyday usage of like two tablets, four tablets a day. They actually... Yeah, a huge percentage of people die through aspirin use each year. Um, and so you can take the natural alternative. They make aspirin out of white willow bark. And so you can get white willow bark powder from a tree, right? You actually, you actually can get it in a powder that's like aspirin. Um, but, um, but you have to let your kids get sick. And so obviously sometimes you need that short-term intervention, but just know, and sometimes you'll work with clients who are taking corticosteroids or taking some immune suppressants as part of the medication. You don't take them off it right away because that's their support. I mean, they need that to avoid pain. But but no, but teach them that this is just a uh, a symptom intervention. The root cause is something from your past. We have to figure out where that's coming from. Is it a parasite? Do you ever get a parasite? Do you ever go to Bali? Oh yeah, five, five, ten years ago I went to Bali. I thought it went away that parasite. 
it didn't go away. It's still there. Mm. And so, um, and this is when you get itching around like the full moon uh, and stuff like that. You get parasites can give you itching around the full moon. You can get a little bit crazy in the full moon. In, yeah, fact, yes. in fact, lunatic comes from full moon, full moon bathing. Luna, well, there you go. A luna, so a lunatic is actually someone who right at, at, at the full moon would actually get crazy. Oh. Would get crazy. Oh. And, um, and so this was actually now we now sort of see that this might be parasite driven. Um, yeah, and well. so, um, and so if you get itchy all over, a little bit crazy, can't sleep at full moon, that could be one of the reasons why. Well, I was going to say one thing just with like people getting sick a lot mm. and stuff and like, sorry, just people getting sick in general. And the first thing they think of is I'm sick. I need to go to the doctor and get antibiotics mm. every single time. And we won't, we, we, you know, for the people that listen to our podcast enough, they'd know what, what antibiotics do to the microbiome. Now we probably don't need mm. to go into that, but yeah. it's a, it's an interesting thing that people do when they're not just allowing their immune system to do what it needs to do and obviously antibiotics don't do save lives in really really bad situations sometimes but but like it's 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 a wild thing like i had one of my clients and she didn't tell me and she's just like which is fine it's all part of the learning but she's Mm -hmm. just like you know jordan i've uh i've been sick the last few days i went to the doctor got antibiotics i'm like what are we doing what are you doing this this is what we're trying to educate you on what are you doing here? And I was just like, oh my gosh, but that's all right. You're learning. It's obviously yeah. part of the, the conditioning and yeah. it's it conditioned across society. It's like you get a cold, go to antibiotic. Can I, can I, can I avenue this into something and join it in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Germ theory, mm-hmm. terrain theory. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've, and this is, and you, the way you answered it in our course is the way I think of it as well, is that, you know, you've got these big people that are like, like I've had clients say to me, oh, my friend got me sick. And I'm like, no, 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 your friend didn't get you sick. Like, you know, like they always think like the germ came and attacked them, yeah? Right, right, right. And then you've got the people that are that have like that are a little bit too far on terrain theory and mm-hmm. I'm very much like, listen, like we need the germ. We need the ter- like the ter- the terrain and the germ working at a harmonious level, and yeah, um, yeah l- l- I won't go too far. You, I'll let you. No, you're calling it. it. You're calling it right then. So it's it's funny because we always think that the medical field and the alternative field have always uh, have just battled in the last three years during COVID. It's actually been a lot longer than that, right? And so you have this Louis Pasteur was the one who brought in vaccinations um, for for chickenpox and for smallpox, right? Um, he was the one that brought in vaccinations. And then you have and pasteurization the, of and milk. pasteurization of milk, right? And so the basic sort of um, getting rid of the good bacteria in milk and the good fungus in milk, you got rid of those things, right? And made it in synthetic, uh, in a synthetic. Not milk. in Queensland. Not in Queensland. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so we've always had this battle over the centuries, right? Um, before medical doctors, most of the most of uh, medical doctors or most of the doctors in this world were were naturopaths, were were homeopaths, and so um, and so this is where that terrain theory was huge. 200 years ago, and everyone lived off that terrain theory. Um, you would go in the forest if you were sick. You would give birth in the forest. Mothers would take you into the forest to give birth. That was the whole thing about getting in nature and getting into that sort of immune. You had things around you that were helping your immune system uh, by giving birth in nature. And so we've sort of gone away from that into the more medical field, right? Um, and basically because we had a pandemic um, and, and Louis Pasteur came in and but even back in those days, we used to, our vaccinations were more homeopathic by then. And so we talk about the hair of the dog that bit you, right? That's very much homeopathic type type sort of situation is that you give yourself the small thing that bit you the night before, right? And so you give a small bit of the virus and that what that would do, that would stimulate the immune system to recognize that virus and then go after it. And so if it saw it again, it would attack it and you make antibodies. That was the beauty of the vaccination back in the day that you give these live viruses. 
Um, we then moved on from that to giving out, because a lot of people would die from that live virus. You would get some, you would get some people, you know, killing, being killed by vaccinations, but even back then, even with live viruses. And so what they did, they transitioned. Well, let's just give them a dead virus. Right. And so we'd, we'd give out dead viruses in the vaccination, but then the immune system wasn't strong enough to mount an attack against, against that virus because it, it was dead. And so the immune system might, oh, it's dead already. Well, why, I don't need to kill it. And so we then evolved into giving a dead virus. And then we had to add things to that dead virus in order to stimulate the immune system. Some, some adjuvants is what they call it. And this is when they started adding heavy metals into, into that, that vaccination abortion, not to, not because your heavy metals were deadly, but heavy metals were known to stimulate the immune system. And so then you added in casing, some milk. And so you'd add milk into the vaccination. And this is why you're getting so many allergies, immune responses to milk, right? Because they're in your vaccinations. And then gliadin was introduced into vaccinations. And so this, this response is, and so this is, this is where, um, we've always had this response, but it was that, that first vaccination was extremely successful. And this is when people had that worldwide pandemic, that Spanish flu, killing millions and millions of people. The, the, the first live virus vaccination actually helped. And this is why your grandmothers and your grandfathers would say, what's wrong with vaccinations? They're the best thing ever because they were really good back in the day, right? But now they're more synthetic. They're cheaper, synthetic, made out of synthetic materials now. And so this is where it's, it's not the same thing it used to be. Um, but this is why the Louis Pasteur's and the medical field have, have almost overcome that terrain theory, uh, people, uh, in the world. Uh, it used to be the other way around 200 years ago, but it's now more into the medical field. But you still had that balance. You still find people who love their terrain theory. And as you say, maybe too much, right? And so you have your vegetarians and vegans who love vegan food. You have your carnivores that love meat yeah. food. Maybe a little bit of both wouldn't be a bad <laughs> thing, right? Maybe we'll have some Brussels sprouts with that meat, right? And uh, and then you have the people who over alkalines, uh, the uh, alkaline water and live in alkaline products. Our, our skin is acidic. We have a 4.5 pH on our skin. It's acidic. Our stomachs are acidic for a reason. Yeah. We have acidity to kill off infections. If you have too much acidity, yes, you could be disease processes, but that's, that, that, that doesn't mean you, you go too alkaline because there are some bacteria that live in alkaline conditions. There's some fungus that love alkaline conditions. And so you're just changing the microbiome into a more alkaline friendly microbiome. And some pathogens love alkaline environments. And so this is where you're just, you're just changing one disease process for another. And so just be careful of that. You need a little bit of both, I think. Mm. Mm. Con context is everything, isn't it? Always, always. Making yeah. educated choices and mm. individualization of, uh, of, of all approaches. So. Well, well, I have heard a few, and I wonder if you've got any thoughts on it. I've heard, heard people like who don't believe in viral infection because they say a virus doesn't have a nucleus and it's not, it's not alive. So it's not alive. Yeah. So how do you have a live virus that you've given to someone with it? Have it have, do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, do. I do. It's, it, it's, it is dead. It's not live. It doesn't have a nucleus. You're right. What does it do? It gets into your nucleus. Okay. Right? And so viruses, they have this great ability to evade your immune system. They get out of your blood. They get out of your stool. They get out of your gut. And they, they secrete these proteases, right? Uh, Jordan, we're going to talk about proteases in about a couple of mm. weeks time. And, and, uh, the way that parasites get into your cells is they produce protein breaking down. They break down your ligaments, break down your muscles, break down your blood, and they get inside of your body. And this is why you find that if you take a blood test for a virus, it's negative. Always is because your virus isn't in the blood. It actually gets, it's trying to get inside your cell. It's, and, uh, the reason why it's trying to get yeah, inside your cell, TH1. And so it breaks down your cells in order to get inside your cell. And the reason why it's doing that is kind of, it's trying to jump into your DNA. It's trying to jump, jump onto your mitochondria to make it alive, to make it a living being. And then, they, then it can replicate using your DNA 
using your microbiome in order to do that. And over half our body lives on that. And so there are good viruses and, and, and bad viruses. There's pathogenic viruses and good viruses. And so we need, we're more pathogen than we are, um, human. And so our mitochondria is actually bacteria. Our mitochondria is made of bacteria. And so when we take antibiotics and we get tired after antibiotics, it's because we're breaking down our back, our, our mitochondria. And so we're losing our ability to make energy. Um, and so, um, we have to be very careful of that when it comes to antibiotics and chronic fatigue syndrome uh, and extreme fatigue. But, um, and so we don't want to get too much in that killing process. We can't because it's actually part of our body. And so we can actually overkill things. And again, I used to be full, full guilty of this myself when I first started this. Like, oh, do that for three months, kill that virus for three months. Um, and not realizing you actually, you feel good for the first month. And then two months, two months, three, actually you start to get a little bit worse for some reason. Um, and this is where you can overkill things. And so you're, you're just looking for signs of load. You're, you're looking for signs of pathogen load where, where something has been tipped into a viral load where the viruses are dominating, or you get a fungal load where funguses are dominating, or you get a bacteria load like SIBO and, and bacteria are dominating. You're looking for those loads within your clients, and there's different symptoms based on, like like fungus, where you get eczema, fungus, you get itching, and and for antibiotics or, or bacteria load, you get SIBO, you get uh, bloating, etc. Um, and so and for viral loads, you'll get fevers, you'll get swollen tonsils, swollen appendix with viral loads, and those sort of things. And so you look for those sort of signs in your clients as to what is dominating it at this particular time. Um, but your solution is usually something that goes after all three, like an essential oil or like a product which is antifungal, antiviral, and antibacterial at the same time, because otherwise you're just going from a bacterial load to a fungal load, to a viral load, and you you keep chasing your tails all the time. Yeah, and uh, and you want to find balance of it in the end. And that's why you know when you when you are feeling better to come off things, like you said, sometimes the best answers are when you come off. Come off and stop stop taking millions of different things all the time. Yeah. Well, it, well, it's funny because when I first started this, I had that TH two autism client, right, the, the young twelve year old girl who I never met, I never met, and so um and so um so she had allergies, and then after a couple of weeks, her allergies would go away. Then all of a sudden, we were kept on driving T1 because it was obviously good for her. But then you can get TH1 dominance. And so she was coming in with joint pain. She was coming in with fevers. She was always hot and sweaty at night. And so this is where if your solution is good in short term, short bouts, acute inflammation is good in short bouts of activity. If you overdrive it, you can actually get inflammatory problems in the other direction. And so this is why you have to come off these, come off these immune driving protocols. Your body would. That's what your body would naturally do. Your body wouldn't drive TH1 for three months. It just wouldn't. And so it would drive it for three to seven days and then it would resolute, it would, it would resolve itself naturally. And this is what you want to try and get, you want to almost like try to teach your clients to do this again. Uh, and this is, and this is what you do because, um, there's been too many, too many interventions which have blocked that process and you're trying to reteach that process in your clients. Beautiful. Mm. Can we leave it there? <laughs> well, mate, it's it's been phenomenal. Mm. I think um, I've really loved it, and um, I, I think I know the listeners will be identifying with a lot of the issues and starting to think, "Wow, mate, you know, mm. there's there's things I can do." And obviously, my immune system is having a massive role in this, um, mate. It's um, 
like I said, it's been fantastic. You simplify things really, really well. Yeah. Um, and I love how you categorize and it's just like for someone learning, it's so easy. So for coaches out there, like let's talk about where, like where can we find you? Um, I know you've got mentorship programs. Um, yep. Yeah, just let us know where people can find you. Yeah, um, and so there's a, there's a couple of places you can find me. Unfortunately, uh, I, I used to work in H immunity during COVID, and of course, I got blacklisted, blackballed by the sort of Instagram world for using the word immunity uh, and, and, and a lot of these things. So I was talking yeah. a lot about the immune system. And so your best ways to find me is actually via websites. And so we have a website called innateimmunity.com, and that's where all our courses are. Um, and we also have another website called functionalmedicineservices.com. Um, and again, um, we have... For the listeners who want to find out more about this, we have a, there was, a, you had Dr. Perry Nickerson coming on soon to your podcast, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. Amazing, right. amazing, amazing guy, amazing legend. And he actually came to see me four or five years ago before, before. He was a mess, wasn't he? He was a mess. Ages ago, yeah. He was, he was a mess and he, he couldn't even, he had so much brain fog. He was TH2 dominant, allergic brain fog, candida mess, taking all these supplements that were actually driving TH2, making him worse, mm. right? And so well, we just took him off those supplements and then we gave him some TH1 drivers, some mushrooms in his coffee. He used to drink mushroom coffee every day. And within about three or four days, he was like, oh my God, I, I feel like in my, a cloud has lifted from my brain. And that's how yeah, we got. Um, he, he, he has you to thank. I remember him uh, raving on about you. So. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's how we did the live workshops back in the day. We, so we, he said, yeah. Stu, we've got to take this to the world. And so we were doing live workshops all around the world. And then, of course, COVID. And then I took this, this, this teaching online, which is why we're doing it. And so, um, so that, that very weekend workshop, we're actually going to offer you to your listeners as a special. So it's usually $497, uh, for the weekend workshops. But if you go on functional medicine services and you type in, sorry, Marcus, you type in, type in Jordan 97. <laughs> <laughs> I, sorry, mate. I, I can change it. JNM? JNM, maybe? Fine, right? <laughs> but maybe J, I know, we maybe suggest something. JNM or something, but that sounds like a little bit weird. To the end of his podcast. <laughs> I know, right? But, but yeah, Jordan 97. Sorry. Yeah, so Jordan 97, you can actually get that, that 497 down to 97. And you've got eight hours of that whole immune workshop I did with Dr. Perry, where we sort of teaching practitioners lymph, vagus, and immune stuff in the whole weekend. And so you can get that as an introductory offer into like, where can I first know more about this without committing too much to a six month, year long program? I can do this weekend workshop, get that for $97. Uh, and, and sort of see us both talk on that thing. And then maybe you want to go even further and we yeah. offer the 12 week mentorships and the six month mentorships for those people who want to figure out autoimmunity or figure out hormone issues, gut issues. We have 12 week and, and six month programs on innateimmunity.com. Wow. Thank you so much. This is what this podcast is all about. It's a a lily pad to help expand people's conscious awareness and uh, give them the tools to heal. So, yeah. Yeah. And hats off to you guys. And this is amazing what you guys are doing. And uh, I never met a couple of guys who take what they learn and they apply it right away. And that's what we try and teach is apply this stuff right away. Use this stuff right away. And you guys are champions at that. And you're just adding this to your already amazing sort of trauma and emotional stuff that you guys do and so this is just uh, just making it go forward leaps and bounds thank you thank you for having awesome. me awesome thanks thanks Stu. so much right. Stu. this is amazing see, see you mate take care bye thanks for listening we hope this opened your mind to new possibilities in your journey if you want to follow on for more please subscribe and follow us on instagram at life athlete health and at coach jordan briggs And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. We'll see you next time.